What's up, citizens of Apologia? This is King Ginger, and I just wanted to take a moment to encourage you all to sign up for Apologia All Access. When you sign up for Apologia All Access, you're going to get exclusive on-demand content. This means that you and your entire family are going to get to watch every single TV show, every single after show, and every single Apologia Academy with new content dropping every single week. But most importantly, your contribution helps Apologia Studios create quality Christ-centered entertainment that reaches millions of people on our YouTube channels and through our podcast with the gospel. So what are you waiting for? Change everything at ApologiaRadio.com. Non-rockabotus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Bark all day, little doggy. Or are you gonna bite? Delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. Faithful men and not for careful men. Oh, wow. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. I want to all the world make disciples. I go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go in the world and make homies. Yeah. Right. Disciples. Yeah. I got a a bit of a jiggle neck. (laughs) 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 That's a joke, Pastor. But we have the real message of truth. (laughs) You cannot let somebody... Say they're speaking truth when they're not. And they're not. Took of uh, mostly the two hours of the show, so you just doubled um, the length of yeah, the intro. Yeah, doubled completely, doubled the length of that. That was absolutely amazing. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. So what's up, guys? Excited. <laughs> Let's just start getting into it. <laughs> I'm really glad to be on today, flaring and blaring. Flaring and blaring. We are back, Nostradamus. In the Hi. house. Man, it's like 
I'm still recovering from Reform Con. Serious. I got a cold, like, the day we opened up, and it's still, I haven't been able to shake it loose. So, if I sound a little crazy today and congested, it's because well, I am. tell everyone you're at half speed. Yeah. Uh, but it is at half, half speed. speed right <laughs> now. Man, you can do all kinds of fun stuff with that. Does, does it, do Androids have the half speed setting, app, I wonder? It's the app, so is I don't it? know. Okay. You can try. Okay. The iTunes app is the one that does it. So, Joy the girl in the house today. Yep. Hey, Luke, do we have any backtrack for Joy today? I thought you uh, had like something I do, ready yes. to go. Yep. Yeah. I am, I am ready. You're all set to go? I am. Also so Joy has her own backtrack. That's Joy the girl right there. Welcome, Joy. Hi. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're the joy, joy, joy. Light in my soul. The joy, joy, joy. Making me I'm pretty sure this song's supposed to be about Jesus. I am yeah, not about me. It said joy, so we had to use it. Right. I get that. Yep, yep, I get that. The little uh-uh. blasphemous. Jerry's eating a whole bunch of bananas. Literally. Hey, don't leave those hanging around the studio. We no. had a major. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. We had a major. Didn't you uh, find some behind the desk one time? Fly problem. How did they get behind the desk? Somebody Somebody left some bananas behind the desk. No, Jeff has a very naturopathic way to kill the desk. It was at Jeff's seat. Like, oh, behind this desk. Yeah. I was imagining, like, tucked away. No, I would take full responsibility. Yeah. I'll take full responsibility. I was going to wait until later, but I started getting hangry. Hangry. Yep. All right, so those I'm, bananas are way too ripe. That's just gross. Go ninja, go ninja, I'm a ninja. ninja, 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 ninja I'm a ninja. All right. They call me Jeff Durbin. That's right. They do call you Jeff Durbin. Yeah, ninja, formerly known as Jeff Durbin. Formerly known as Jeff Durbin. Jeff Durbin, not the ninja. Nobody and, calls uh, you that. That's Luke the Bear. To my right. Do you have anything? Uh, well, I have my one thing, but not on here. Oh, you were ready to go? Well, that's on my iPad. Oh, that's so sad. That's so sad. <laughs> I bet I, there is a song somewhere I can probably pull it up. I have to find it. No, I I, I think that there's Mr. no question about what Mr. your background Ray. music should be. I, mean, I think we all know what what it is. Uh, you agree? I mean, I, do you know what I'm gonna play? <laughs> but it has nothing to do with the bear, though. It's just you, though. Rugged, outdoorsy, big, bearded. One day the guy on the buffalo was cruising around through the plains. Seen a bear, the bear, and he he thought thought to himself, Oh no, there's a bear. (laughs) See, oh, it works perfect. It's great. It's great. It's great. It's great. It's great. great. Hey, Marcus Pittman, King Ginger, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm awake. How you feeling, man? Are you recovered, or you, you know, you feel like me, just sort of run down? No, I, I'm recovered, man. Like, yeah? I was listening to the talk I gave, and I was like, wow, I was really tired. Yeah, you were really tired. <laughs> I was like, wow, that is just not normal. Yeah, you were in someone, someone hit the slow-mo button on yeah. you. Yeah. I was tired, too. I was driving everyone around. Like, Monday came after the conference, like, man, I feel like I ran into a light rail or something. <laughs> Dang. Marcus has uh, gotten a little silver lining in the whole crashing into a public service. You used to drive a caddy? Thing. He's been driving a Cadillac. Like Cadillac a Cadillac. SRX. Yeah, it's like a little mini SUV Cadillac. Oh, He's been doing that for the last two yeah, I don't know that I would have given him that vehicle <laughs> if the rental company already knew. Uh, I don't think if they, they knew actually knew exactly why I was getting. Yeah, they were like, 
Well, so what do you do? And you're like, I'm just chilling. <laughs> I'm just driving. Just I didn't like driving. hit a light well, you know, rail or I, nothing. I just got him the rental car from Moscow. I know. I, I don't know that I am even okay with but, but that. But I, I tell you what I got him? What? A bumper car from the carnival. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Luke has been dreaming of that for the last... He's been saving that. Actually, I have to give Dennis credit for that. That was that was all Dennis. We're, we're back from a reform con. It was really, really great. And if you haven't gotten to see it yet, uh, it's up on YouTube right now. Apologia Studios. The the fat is still on there. On there. Uh, you know, you gotta trim the fat, so it's like the live streams. Like, what are we talking about? The, the, it's the live streams, so you guys trim the fat because there's a I lot of you. just like stuff, like 15, 20 minutes of just, you know, Reform Con, and then tweets, and then it opens up, and then you can see, you know, the talks. So the main sessions are all, and the QA, uh, they're all up there, and the live shows on Apologia Studios on YouTube. You just go check it out, and you might have to scroll through a little bit, but you'll get to it. Can we talk about Nate's talk? Uh yeah, it yeah. was awesome. It was awesome. It was it was one of my favorites. Uh, what did you like about Nate's talk? I liked how he made like every job, like important. My favorite part is we talking about the rock counter, and he was like, "It's another one." Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I think there needs to be a clarification made between my talk and Nate's talk. Okay, because like Nate's talk was like, you know, the worst words in the English language are "I'm just a mom" and. His entire talk was to My be... My wife was crying that point. Yeah, his, his talk was talking about, like, being content with the job that you have for whatever. Right. And then, like, I said in my talk that if you're not content, it could be a sign that you probably need to do what you're called to do. Yeah. And so I just think we should clarify that if, if you're just a mom, like, you're called to be a mom. So it's contentment in, like, your calling... Right. As opposed to like mine, I was saying that, look, you might not be called to do that job. And so you can always get another job or start your own business. So yeah. people were asking like, well, how do you disagree with Nate Wilson? And I was like, well, we don't. I don't think we do. So Right. I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah. No, I, I caught the connection. Okay. I, I can see how some people might have been confused about that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I would have to agree. I think Nate's talk was one of the most powerful talks of the conference. They were all phenomenal. And I mean that seriously. If you haven't got a chance to see it, you got to see it because Dr. White's talk and hyper-Calvinism, super important, really great job. Also, his breakout session. Then you also have Dr. Scott Oliphant just dropping bombs in his talk about apologetics. Let me tell you right now, um, listen. you need to listen to Scott Oliphant's talk he did at the conference uh, listen to it 10 times until you get it until you make the connection because it is that important and we're going to actually talk about a few things today in regards to Dr. William Lane Craig that I think you should listen to and then go listen to Dr. Oliphant's talk and you'll see exactly what the problem is and you'll see why it's so important and so yeah let's I mean just encourage that today's episode we're going to run through some of Dr. William Lane Craig's comments about a methodology and then after you listen today, to, today, to today's episode, there's going to be a lot of that today, guys, by the way. Today, Junior. Today, Junior. After you listen to today's episode, then go listen to Dr. Oliphant's talk from ReformCon. It's at Apologia Studios on YouTube, and you'll understand completely what the problem is again and why this is so vitally important again. Hey, Jeff. Yeah. What was your favorite talk? My favorite talk of the whole thing? Dr. Oliphant. Which one? It was not his break. I didn't get a chance to see his breakout. It was good. It was it good? Mm -hmm. Uh, What was it about? Was it the same thing and he just sort of expanded or was it? No, it was about he used. What did he. We were talking about it last night. 
Austin. That was. Um, I'm totally drawing a blank. Give me the gist. It was the. John. The Gospel using of John. Prologue, yeah, the prologue, using, the using the prologue of John. John. For the, it was about Jesus. <laughs> John. Jesus, and it was great. It was grand. No, it was. It was the. Oh, I remember Austin totally said he said blinked. he was using. He used the. Yeah. I wasn't. Use the prologue, yes, the Gospel of John, as it. a foundation for yes. apologetics. It was awesome. John. Whoa. John. That's yeah. awesome. Which I wow. can't wait for that. Yeah. That sounds. So awesome. I promise I, I was paying Jeff, attention. I heard your your melatonin voice was putting people to sleep. My melatonin voice. That's awesome. But Dennis, Dennis fell asleep listening to my he talk. Like, he was listening to it on the train. <laughs> and he was the, like, tell Jeff his melatonin voice put me to sleep. <laughs> One of the great positive ripple effects that I got to watch, which was awesome, is when Nate Wilson had that segment in his speech where he talked about just the important, uh, just the importance of motherhood. Yeah. And just how sacred of a profession that is. Um, I had several of our fans who are, who are moms uh, just type it out, reposted it. I sent the message to a friend or two of mine who are right now just that's just something that they're struggling with and they just said they're really really just blessed by that segment it kind hashtag of really, blessed yeah hashtag blessed you know what you call it uh, win, hashtag win the sales yeah all the good stuff yeah really uh, good stuff yeah so Nate Wilson Andy Wilson on our YouTube channel you can listen to his talk I'm gonna just go ahead and let's address it we need to address it uh, Nate used a curse word in his talk and um yeah, earlier you said that Oliphant was dropping bombs, and I was like, no, no he didn't. Nate was. No. Uh, <laughs> so Nate elephant. used, um, he, he used the S word uh, in reference to Super. something being a, da- a bad day, a S day, and he was doing it in character. In other words, he was addressing, it wasn't gratuitous. It, he was addressing how Christians respond to God's world in a sinful way. In other words, he wasn't being gratuitous and just simply cursing in his message. Okay, I have a question He was for saying you. what they say and how that's sinful ultimately because it's not actually believing what you say about God and his world. Yeah. Okay, so is it ever appropriate to curse? Is there an appropriate context? Let me give you an awesome one. I okay. think Nate's was appropriate. I, 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 let me, I, let I me think give so you. too, but <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying edge. maybe we should address it because people are still going to be like, oh, well, yeah. no. Yeah. Should never, should never leave your lips. Let me give you a good example of what I think, Joy, and I'd like to hear what you say to it. Um, I think one of the best examples of appropriate use of a curse word was when <laughs> Nate's dad... <laughs> the other Wilson. These guys are all cussing their heads off. Right. Okay. When Nate's dad, I'm just kidding, by the way, they're not, uh, was debating Christopher Hitchens in a pub, he was getting to Hitchens' fundamental worldview and his belief system. And he was basically saying, look, if atheism is true, all this complaining about moral failures in people is meaningless. He said, same word, actually. He said, they must like that word in the Wilson family. He said the S-H-I-T happens. Yeah. And it was utterly appropriate because he was answering the fool according to his own folly. He was saying, look, if your worldview is true, then it doesn't matter. So, and he stepped into his worldview, he showed him the, the implications, and he used it. Now, does Douglas Wilson go around cussing all the time? Absolutely not. I know the man. Spent time with the man. I've eaten with the man. No, he does not. Does Nate Wilson go around using this kind of found language? No, he doesn't. Nate Wilson, in the message, would I have preferred that he use a different word? Honestly, yeah, I would have, just because of how sensitive Christians are. So personally, I would say, just because of how sensitive people are, probably should have used a different word. But I get what he was doing. It was not gratuitous. He used the right word to describe the right kind of sinful response. In other words, he wasn't saying, Christians, let's all use this language. He was saying, don't do that. 
Don't behave this way. So that's that's I think a good response to it. I know when you when you said it, I think all of us our initial reaction was. <gasps> But then when he explained it, then you're like, oh, you're like, oh, I suck really bad. Yeah. He was saying how you should not. Yeah. How you should not respond to God's world because you should believe what you say you believe. All right. So, uh, hey, let's do something before we come out of this segment. We got a lot we're doing today. We're going to introduce you guys to Saiten Bruggenkate finally getting face to face with Penn Gillette. I've been wanting that to happen forever. For years. Yeah, for years. Years years ago, uh, Cy tried to get Gillette to um, have a debate with him, and I don't think he even responded. Uh, But uh, at the Reason Rally, which I'm really kind of bummed that we didn't get to go, but we're doing bigger and better things, I guess. It was during ReformCon. Uh, So the Reason Rally happened again, and supposedly I did see this. I don't know how true this is, but... I, I, it makes sense because it did the same thing when we were there. Joy, Luke, and I went. Um, I guess they were touting once again 30,000 oh, yeah. people. And the people, Christians that were there were saying there is not 30,000 people here, maybe 3,000 at the most. Mm. Uh, so they seem to like to use that figure. They like to lie. Yeah, they like to use it. Um, but uh, anyway, so Cy got to get in front of Gillette at the Reason Rally in Washington, D.C. I'm excited to see some of the content come out from that. I am kind of bummed that Joy and Luke and I didn't get to go again. Yeah. Um, but uh, before we get into all that stuff, let me play for you guys something that might hurt your ears. So let me forewarn you. Not my taste in music, but I think that Joy and Luke probably were like, yeah, all right. Okay. You probably. Not, no, actually. See. No? See. No. No. I do not care for this band. You don't? Oh. No. But it's but you I actually the, do like this song, but the, the band. Okay, not the band, but the the style of music yeah. would be more like up your alley, yeah. the two of you. Yeah, it's okay. getting closer. Okay, getting closer. <laughs> so this was uh America's Got Talent. This is John <laughs> Hetlinger. It's a jewel. It's a jewel. Very good. Uh, the yeah, at the, the jewel, jewel concert. concert yeah. Everyone <laughs> calm down, it's jewel. Yeah. <laughs> They're always Marcus. Here's the thing. This is like a little inside joke. I'm going to let everyone in on. So I explained it to a few people. They always make fun of me because I I talked to them once about this heavy metal concert that I went to, and it wasn't just heavy metal. It was called Lollapalooza. And uh, I think that's what it's called. Any of you don't know what that massive music festival uh, is? I've never heard of that. Lollapalooza, not Lollapalooza. It's what's it called? Lollapalooza. No, no, it's called Lollapalooza. No, it's Lollapalooza. It's called Lollapalooza. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it is called Lollapalooza. And what they're always making fun of me about is when I was telling them about this concert that I went to before when I was like 18 years old, there was like a whole, it was like every popular band. It was like Red Hot Chili Peppers, Goldfinger at the time. And it was like all these heavy metal bands. And there was even, there was even a a rave tent at this thing, like a crazy (laughs) rave tent. People were like passing out in because it was super hot outside. And, uh, and I mentioned how crazy this mosh pit was and everything. And I mentioned that Jewel was there and now they're like, Oh, heavy yeah. metal concert, Jewel. That's yeah. your standard of heavy metal. Yeah. So they're always You're not even telling that story, right? They're always bagging on me. <laughs> yeah, you definitely told that in a way to make yourself. How, how did look I tell better. it wrong? Well, even the st- <laughs> did I say did I protect myself there? Oh, how did okay, I do it? But even the story about what happened to Jewel when she came on concert. Oh yeah, yeah it was awesome. Came on concert. I mean it was sad. It was just like a thing <laughs> on stage. It was an incredible it was an incredible thing to witness. Um yeah, Jewel, this is when Jewel was like becoming really popular. She came out on stage and uh somebody threw uh what what a was frisbee. It? a frisbee at her head, hit her in the head and she just stopped in the middle of Who Will Save Your Soul? Who will save Pope? 
She just stopped, stared at the audience, dropped the mic, and turned around and walked off the stage. It was like done. Not going to play anymore. Dang, and you then guys. the mosh pit started. Yeah, right. and then we were like, "Yeah, <laughs> let the bodies hit the floor." <laughs> uh, so uh, anyway, so this is America's Got Talent came up uh, in uh, some of you guys probably seen it already in what is hot on YouTube right now. Uh, John Hetlinger, eighty-two-year-old singer, shocks the room. Uh, yeah, this guy is an old dude. He's 82 years old, completely shocking. I want to forewarn you, it's uh, some pretty seriously, like... Um, it's rap. like listening to Jewel. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, so <laughs> nice. if that's offensive to yeah. you, then <laughs> All right. just shut it off. It's, 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 it's newsworthy for Apologia Radio. <laughs> this is an old dude uh, surprising you with what he sings. Let the bodies hit the floor. 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 Oh my God! Big and wide. question is because uh, this isn't even like my thing you know uh so is is that good is that like quality for that kind of uh style of music is no he... nah. it's no not, it's not, oh, so it's not... It's a, i think it's impressive though it's for, impressive yeah but for you t- you... A vo- vocal cords that are that old You're right to be able to right. hit yeah. those yeah okay it's, it's <laughs> pretty good impressive. for what you're dealing okay. with yeah <laughs> yeah you typically want to have shoot for having a voice you want to shoot for like being Cookie Monster with laryngitis. Okay. That typically is the voice you want to shoot for within the confines right. Not of metal. For every metal. I think this would be a good time to good say that uh, <laughs> I actually worked on America's Got Talent. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tell that story real fast. We're going to I ran cheeseburgers, McDonald's deliveries to the producers. Oh, did you really? That's essentially all I did. Okay. And, and then I just escorted people. It's unbelievable. There's thousands and thousands of people you have to they escort in and they audition and like. A lot of different places, like all at once, like throughout the entire day. It's oh, amazing. I see. So, Big production, man. It's it's really crazy. Yeah. So. All right. So we got a lot to talk about today. I um, again, I'm going to play some clips from William Lane Craig, some from Doctor Oliphant. We're going to talk about Cy Ten Bruggenkate and his his encounter. I think he did a wonderful job, by the way. And I'm going to officially apologize to Doctor White. Uh, oh. On the air for something. Yeah. Wow. Yep, yep. I told him I was going to do it, so I'm going to oh, apologize to him. So you have to stay tuned for my official apology to Dr. James White. I feel bad about something. I misspoke on something. I everybody, need to, uh, sh- everybody's sharing this episode I need, I right need to, now. Yeah, I need to uh, make sure I put an official apology down because I love him, and uh, he's entirely gracious. He didn't even catch it when I said it, and uh, it didn't bother him, but I need to apologize because I don't want any kind of misrepresentation. So, yeah, we'll be right back. Stay tuned so you can hear it. We will be right back. ApologiaRadio.com. 
21 years and counting, New St. Andrews College has sought to obey Christ's great commission to disciple nations and build him a house, not just in Jerusalem, but throughout the world. Not with stones and mortar, but with living stones. We build and fight. This is the task of a Christian liberal arts college, to equip students with the tools to build and fight. This is our joyful task as we seek to graduate leaders who shape culture through wise and victorious living. To learn more, visit us online at nsa.edu forward slash explore. What's up, y'all? This is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio at ApologiaRadio.com. Want to talk to you guys about an amazing connection that we have right now with Whitfield Theological Seminary. I want you to run over to Whitfield.edu, Whitfield.edu, W-H-I-T-E-F-I-E-L-D.edu. I want you to check out the programs they have. They have undergraduate programs at Whitfield College, and they also have Whitfield Theological Seminary for the graduate degree and above and beyond. I, I think you'll really be impressed with the rigorous nature of the classes, the consistent biblical worldview taught and adhered to. I want you to contact Whitfield Theological Seminary at whitfield.edu. Get a hold of our friend, Dr. Kenneth Talbot, and start your classes today. Apologiaradio.com. Questions via email, through our Facebook, personally, um, asking just different theological questions, questions about the Trinity, questions about apologetics, questions about eschatology and times stuff. And I can, I can, I'd be willing to bet that we've probably done an episode that either is directly about your question or it's somewhere in the vicinity of your question and what you're trying to get at. And so they're all up at ApologiaRadio.com. And I'm encourage you guys to go check out those episodes. Just like look through the taglines and the titles and see if um, it relates to what you want to know about. I would definitely encourage you guys to check through the descriptions and uh, check out the episodes. We've had some great guests on. Some top scholars and scientists and theologians, pastors. I think will really, really bless you. Um, we've had radio discussions and debates, and there's all kinds of really great content. The purpose of Apologia Radio is to have a ministry that exists as a teaching arm of Apologia Church. And so that's really what the episodes are for. They're meant to be long-lasting, long-standing teaching tools right. uh, for the glory of Jesus Christ, for His kingdom. So um, I wanted to point you guys also to the fact that all access is about to get hype. It is. It is about to get better than it ever was before. Right now, everybody that participates with us in ministry, by way of donating $7.95 a month, you get the all-access, and all-access gets you all the television shows, it gets you the after shows, it gets you the Apology Academy, the advanced theological training we're doing. Um, you participate with us in ministry to make things possible, like ReformCon and all the videos that we're doing. But we are sending... Our producer and director, Marcus Pittman, King Ginger, to Moscow, Idaho. Uh, this weekend, he is heading out with Carmen. It's, our, a, it's, a, it's a terrible job. Yeah, that's right. It is, <laughs> it is an awful, 
heavy burden that I carry. Yeah. Please pray for have, them. To have to go and <laughs> film Seriously. lectures by right. Doug Wilson. Please. And Mitch Stokes. Yeah, for, pray for Carmen's Merkel. safety. Yeah. Above please. all. <laughs> and, and we're and, very serious about and that. And our equipment. Yeah. yeah. Carmen. And, and that all the equipment returns. Uh, well, look. I know something funny. Cheryl was like, so should we be worried about Marcus in the airport? And I was like, uh, no, Carmen will be with him. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how I feel too. That's exactly yeah. how I thought about it. Carmen yeah. will keep him safe. Um, so here's what here's what's gonna happen. Um, the website apologiaradio.com is about to change in a big way. In the next few months. In the next few months, it's gonna get uh, more accessible, easier access to content. It's just gonna look uh, much better, and that's all gonna happen very soon. But if you are all access, you're about to get a bunch of advanced theological training from um, the content that Marcus is going to get from New St. Andrews. Uh, Marcus, could you tell them some of the different lessons we have planned? Yes. Well, let me pull it up. Okay. All right. There's going to be six new lectures, and they're going to be three lessons each. So 18 new episode of Apologia Academy. And we're going to do Ben Merkel arguing for the Trinity from Scripture, Doug Wilson, what is a worldview, Jonathan McIntosh, the logic of action, God, man, economy, and state, Chris Schlecht, is that his name? Is that how you say it? Not sure. I will find out. You're looking at it. (laughs) I'll ask him. I'll ask him when I'm there. Church and family in modern America, and Gordon Wilson on six-day creation, and Mitch Stokes, Christianity, atheism, and the problem of mathematics. I can't wait to hear that one. Dang, going to be that awesome. one though. That's wow, deep. that is awesome. I can't wait for that. Um, Poitras, I think, uh, did uh, some great stuff on mathematics and the biblical worldview, and. Um, Wow, I can't, I can't wait to get that one. So, uh, all access, guys, you are going to get all kinds of really, really, really great theological training and content. It's great for homeschooling, uh, college students. I mean, anybody that wants to really just get some uh, awesome theological training. It's going to be on all access, and you guys can start right now. There's tons of content there already. Uh, the Apologetics Academy we have with Dr. White and myself. We also have John Sampson's Study of the Doctrines of Grace and Reformed Theology, and so that's all there right now, plus all the television shows, the after shows are there right now. And if you look at Apologia Studios on YouTube, you are a part of that. Every right. bit of new content we put up is because because you're all access. That's what makes it all possible. So we're able to do more content and get it out uh, because of our all-access subscribers. So I don't uh, think people really understand how amazing this new website's going to be. I can't wait like for them to see it. It's going to be a video content website. Like it's going to be like a fully functional. Like right now, it's just a blog that, you, that members have access to, but it's going to be a, a, a content-driven site, like sort of like Netflix sort of thing. Like it's beautiful and visual and nice, made for video. So all the people are complaining that it's really hard to stream video and stuff. All those problems are going to be fixed. It's just going to be. Yeah. Just done to the glory of God. And just a word of thanks to everybody who is already all access. Um, I do say it a lot, but I want to say it to you so that you you, you really embrace it. I want to thank you for not only being all access and being a part of this ministry, a genuine part of this ministry, um, a meaningful part of this ministry, but I want to thank you guys for putting up with all the kinks 
um, as we've tried to move forward and build this whole entire um, operation and ministry. You've you've put up with um, you know the the lags. You've put up with the struggles of the website, and so we're just grateful that you have put up with it and you've been patient with us. And so we're trying to make everything better for you guys. And I can't wait for you guys to see the new content. Uh, well, be- before you go, I think the whole point of us mentioning that was to say that we won't have any new shows next week. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, yeah, no new right. shows next week. Uh, yeah, because uh, Marcus is going to be getting that that content together for you guys and you'll um, be at another oh, conference and I'm going to be I'm going to be in the God's Not Dead uh, conference in San Diego San Diegans that's German yes um, <laughs> so uh, he, here's the thing I want to talk speaking of content Marcus have you seen the David and Goliath film from 2015 no it's on Netflix right now so it came up in my Netflix feed uh, just a couple days ago and it said you know new Release and so Stellar was sitting next to me. He's actually my, my little boy. He's seven years old. His name is Stellar. We call him Turtle. Turtle, come over here. Say hi. Want to say hi? Hi. So he just walked in at just the right time. I had already pulled it up. I didn't even tell him about it. So Stellar was sitting next to me uh, in bed, and I saw it. So I said, "Oh, let's watch the David and Goliath film. It's on Netflix." And I thought maybe, just maybe. This won't be an awful, awful, awful Christian I'm film. I'm going to say you thought wrong. That's some uh, post-millennial optimism It right was optimistic, there. You know, it was just, and it you know. was, uh, let's just say, it was uh, misplaced optimism, because it was horrific. Not only was it so historically inaccurate, I mean, all of the characters are white and delightsome, as Joseph Smith would say. <laughs> Um, they are all white. They got shaved faces. They have British accents. They all have British yeah. accents. Yeah. It is just Plastic. horrific. It's like, oh my goodness, I'm telling Turtle. I'm like, no, they would have been very dark and, you know, probably had some beards going on. Were they, and were they using, were they drinking out of glasses? It was just awful, man. Yeah. I'm telling you, this is like one of the worst examples of a Christian film, like, ever. The audio was terrible. I'm telling you, it was so awful. The audio was like a Carmen could do better audi- audio than this. It was, it was like our live show audio. Uh, it was like the live show audio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, we, you know, we'll we'll get that corrected for the. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we can fix that. But um, <laughs> but this was supposed to be, you know, a production, a movie, like, and it's just absolutely terrible. But but Turtle and I are watching this thing, and it just drags on and on and on and on, and we're like, come on, now I want to see David throw a rock at Goliath's head. Now, first and foremost, you got if you see the film. Goliath is supposed to be taunting the children of Israel, and yeah. David's like watching it. And just the taunting that Goliath has, they were like, "Oh, it's a Christian film, so it has to be like you know, you can't you can't yeah. be overly aggressive. Goliath has to be tame, right?" And it's just like that. So otherwise, you might get he triggered. Just, he was just making your mom joke. It was yeah. just like it was so terrible. <laughs> he wasn't at all scary. He was just like, "Come down here, David, you little worm. You and get over he here." He was like, "Come over here, you <laughs> bad boy." It was just like so terrible. But oh, but you get ready for this because you got to. Oh, actually, let me ask Turtle. Turtle, I should ask you because you got a chance to watch the film what did you think about david and goliath you, you could be honest what'd you think go ahead and talk it was horrible it was horrible <laughs> what, what was what was bad about it what did you not like about it get real close goliath wouldn't be actually scary he wasn't really scary no what do you think about david he was super white he was super <laughs> 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 That's my boy. I'm That's my boy. Okay, all right, guys. Now, I want you guys, I'm not even going to tell you what happens. 
I just want you to listen very closely, okay? And all, my, all of our listeners that have been listeners for a long time, I just want you to listen very closely because when it finally got to the scene where David slays Goliath, they're Boiler surrounded alert. by Philistines. Surrounded by Philistines. And the fight's about to happen, and it drags on for probably six minutes with them like walking in a circle around each other. Now, I might be exaggerating by 20 seconds. <laughs> Okay. okay, it's literally just the longest, most like drawn out, like top. walking in circles, and it's Goliath. They literally kept using the same footage. Goliath's like uh. taunting David, and they keep putting it on repeat. And it's like, come on, this is so terrible. Okay, all right, I've said enough terrible things about the film. Um, here we go. Who is that? He's too small to be the armor bearer. No, that's not their voices. Yes. No. Here we go. Listen closely. Listening. You've cut the tension with Probably a knife. Probably is the messenger boy. Huh. Maybe they're giving up. Is that the voice of Goliath? Uh, no. That's, uh, that's the Philistine the army. Okay. Sounds like Monty Python. He's not coming to, to fight you, is he? It can't be impossible. David walks up now with a sling. Shepherd's clothing. He's, they sound like the French peas from the VeggieTales version of David and Goliath. All right, you got to hear Goliath's voice. I just want you to hear at least once, and then I'll get to the part where I want you to hear. I was, like, freaking out. Sorry, I must have rewound it a little too far. But you need to hear Goliath. So intense. That piano work. What is wow. happening right Seriously. now? Like, David, what is David is walking up to Goliath right now, and <laughs> Goliath is kneeling really slowly. Yes. What do you want, shepherd boy? Missing your sheep? <laughs> no sheep around here. <laughs> what? What do you want, boy? That's Goliath. I'm here to fight you. You guys can't save you, little rat! You may come against me with sword and spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty! And the Lord Almighty! Against... Is he Irish? Gosh, Goliath is only like a foot and a half taller than David. No, it's he's as big you as Luke. You guys can't save you, little rat! Come here, boy! I curse you! That's I said, come here, boy! Let me catch you! It's totally all just like edited together. Yeah. yeah. They didn't even. They just keep repeating it. Why don't you go back to the mother? Okay, here we go. It's coming. I know it's drawn out here, guys. I know it's drawn out, but listen closely to the background. You made it your mom joke. Here we go. Those drums, though. Those drums, though. You guys can't save you, little rat! Oh my gosh, no. That's I curse you!
the crowd, somewhere in the crowd, oh, Douglas Wilson is no. like, David, oh. desperate call times call for faithful men, not for careful men. That's <laughs> <laughs> our old apology. That's amazing. Oh, amazing. They've been played goodness. for like two oh, years. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm, hold on, I need, I need to use this, buddy. So that is hilarious. I'm tired of people saying come. that David is a weak beggar. He is a powerful, powerful warrior, and warrior. Yeah, I mean, so I was absolutely like, and I was like, I'm like booing the movie. I'm, I'm like, I'm like screaming at the television, like, this is awful. How awful! Of a, I'm just like screaming at the television. All of a sudden, I'm like, wait, what? What? I'm like, oh yeah! <laughs> it, was, it was like Apology yeah. Radio's background oh, music. That's crazy. Like a David and Goliath film. You know what a lot of people don't even know is that a couple months ago, ABC tried to launch a miniseries based off of King David, but the ratings of the pilot episode oh, were yeah, so bad. Right. Um, just because they're trying to kind of do the same kind of like Noah thing where they yeah. it's a good quality, but the whole and, narrative is so bad. And David and, and so, Jonathan were gay. Was it really? Is yeah, that they're they were going they were pushing that. Yeah, really. Okay, because it basically it's people said nope, not going to do it, and it got canceled. So I had an idea for a great Christian film. Somebody should do like an animated film for like flannel graph characters that just makes fun of really bad Christian films. That would be good, Mister Science like Theater three thousand. What? Be good. I don't know. Like how how are they need to do it? It'd be really funny. All right, let's get into the show now, guys. Here we go. So enough fun stuff. Let's get into some serious business. I'm into it. Somebody a while back had written a blog about Apologia Radio. And in the blog, they said that Apologia Radio goes from silly to searing in seconds. That makes um, me want to get some steak. Yeah, silly to searing in seconds. And we really, really loved that. As a matter of oh, fact... you. Marcus, when we do like online like advertising and notification about shows, we need to have that as a tagline of Apologia Radio. Silly to searing in seconds. Uh, yeah. With a sizzling stubborn, steak. Stubborn uh, Good alliteration there. Yeah. And you Good put job. it with a sizzling steak. <laughs> so, Somebody's an English major. Let's get serious now um, about the faith. Now, I, I saw that Dr. White had posted something from Dr. William Lane Craig the other day and Dr. White in Dr. White fashion said theology matters what you win them with is what is what you win them to and um, it's important to think about the implications of our theology our philosophical methodology how we approach the world how we approach unbelievers it does matter Faithfulness in the apologetic encounter matters. Because, you see, listen, theology finds its way into every area of your life and your practice. And Dr. William Lane Craig's Arminian perspective and philosophy finds its way into how Dr. William Lane Craig evangelizes. It finds its way into how Dr. William Lane Craig does apologetics. It matters a lot. God is either going to be glorified in how we defend the faith or we're going to bring ultimately shame upon his name and we're going to find ourselves as a bundle of contradictions and inconsistent when we don't hold to the word of God consistently. Now, here's the thing. Listen, I understand this is in no way trying to say that I've got it all together and I've got this standard. I've got this perfection in theology. I realize that I'm fallible. I'm a finite preacher, 
I realize that I don't have the full mind of God and know all things. I realize that I have areas that I might be very, very inconsistent, and I want God to change that. I want to be submissive to his word and be changed by it. Now, but here's the thing. It's, it, it's, it's okay to call a spade a spade. Yeah. It's all right to say, hey, that's not Christian. That's not consistent, and that's destructive to us. And, and someone says, well, Dr. William Lane Craig has done a lot of really great things for the faith. Praise God. Good. He, he has repented and believed. He professes faith in Jesus Christ. I call him a brother. I think he's a great man. But he's wrong. He's wrong here. And, and, and it, it shouldn't hurt our feelings as believers when other believers try to offer critiques of what somebody says. Now listen, when I critique Dr. William Lane Craig, I'm not critiquing the man himself and saying awful things about him as, right. a, as a believer. Right. I'm talking about his perspective. I'm talking about what he says. And, and does it matter? Well, yeah, I mean, William Lane Craig is very, very popular and a lot of people listen to him. When, when someone says, and I've seen it a lot, hey, who should I get into for apologetics? People point to William Lane Craig and say, hey, this is a great guy because he says some great stuff. Okay, good. Fine. But look... It's his perspective that is not consistent philosophically nor biblically, and it matters. And, and we ought to be able to, as Christians, say, look, that, that's not right. It's just not true. Because, listen, here's the thing. It's the glory of Jesus Christ. It's the consistency of the biblical worldview in our faith and its proclamation that's at stake. And William Lane Craig simply dumbs down the Christian message and proclamation in an effort to get people into the, quote, get people into the kingdom of God. There's his Arminianism showing right there. It's actually, his, Molinism. It's, yeah, it's his, it's his anthropology coming through right there. It's what he believes men and women are actually capable of doing before God. Now, if you believe that it's somehow up to you to convince people into the kingdom, ultimately, or if you believe somehow that people have the ability in themselves to synergistically cooperate with God to bring about an entrance into the kingdom of God or salvation, well, then, of course, you're, you're going to approach the world and your apologetic methodology in that way because you think people, you know, have to, you know, work together with God. And so maybe we bring it down to the lowest common denominator. We dumb down the faith as much as possible just to squeeze people into the kingdom. Like, compare that. I'm going I'm to play it for you. But compare that to Jesus in Luke 14, where Jesus has large crowds coming to him, Right? Large crowds. Great opportunity to grow the church for Jesus and the apostles. Huge opportunity presented before them right now. And Jesus turns around and says to them, if anyone comes to me does not hate father, mother, sister, brother, he's just naming everybody that you would love and and have as valuable in your life. And he says, and even your own life, he says, you're not worthy to be my disciple. And he says, ultimately, you have to count the cost to come to him. And here's the deal. Watch this. Jesus didn't lower the standard of his message and their response in an effort to get them into the kingdom. He actually was quite willing and happy to have them turn away from him and to walk away because they were not willing to count the cost of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And so here's the deal. Jesus kept the standard where it belongs and he was willing for people to turn away. He didn't lower the standard and minimize the quality of his message in an effort to get people to squeeze into the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Now, you might be saying, well, like, all right, I don't really follow what's going on right now. Okay. All right. Well, I need you to hear it. So this is a question, and people just got it so wrong. I was so surprised as to how many people complained when I posted about it. How many people complained that, uh, you know, I think you're going after him a little too harshly. Listen, okay, 
it's not about we walk up to people with the doctrine of inerrancy, right? Like, let's argue about biblical inerrancy first. It is, however, about the authority of Jesus Christ, and it's about God's revelation being true. So here's what I want you to hear. This is Dr. William Lane Craig being asked a question about the role of biblical inerrancy in evangelism. I have several pre-submitted questions. I'm just going to bring one right now. Are scriptures 100% valid? We have a complex answer we give people. We'd love to hear if you have a simple and short answer. Are scriptures 100% valid? Well, the short answer would be yes. Good. Praise, <laughs> praise God. Thank you, Dr. Craig. Um, do you have a medium length answer? <laughs> <laughs> Let me say this about that. I don't argue with a non-believer about biblical inspiration and inerrancy. My goal as an evangelist is to set the bar as low as possible to get him into the kingdom. I want to put as few obstacles in his way in order to get him saved. And so I don't try to convince the unbeliever of biblical inerrancy or 100% reliability. Uh, I'm quite willing to say these documents could be uh, erroneous in many respects, there could be inconsistencies and contradictions, but nevertheless, they are historically reliable with respect to, for example, the four facts that I shared last night, which are sufficient for belief in the resurrection of Jesus. And if that's right, then you should become a Christian. And then the question of biblical inerrancy, scriptural reliability, that becomes an in-house question among believers. So I would really encourage you, at least in doing evangelism, don't try to set the bar so high that in order to be saved, the unbeliever has to come to believe in biblical inspiration and inerrancy. That, that's simply... Um, not necessary in, for, in order for him to become a Christian. So it's not necessary to believe that these are the inspired words of the living God? Should have stuck with yes. Yes was great. Yes was basically, great. Yes. No! <laughs> yeah. Yes, but, but it's possible. Listen, if it's possible that there's contradictions, if it's possible that there are failings in the text in terms of that's just wrong and inaccurate, then that means it's not true. It's possible that it's not true. Right. And if it's not true, it's not from God. If it's not true, it's not inspired. If it's not true, it doesn't have any bearing on my life. If you're willing to say God possibly doesn't exist or the word of God is likely to not be true, then watch this. There's no reason to repent of my sin and turn my life to Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I don't have to turn my life over to Jesus Christ. Think about the demands that Jesus makes in my life. What are the demands? If you have the Son, you have life. If you don't have the Son, you don't have life, but the wrath of God abides in you. If you have Jesus Christ, you are not condemned. Everybody who does not have Jesus Christ is condemned already. Jesus Christ says in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, when he's talking about, or, or the, the, the section in Matthew chapter 7, where he's talking about his word, he says, or is it chapter 6? Uh, or you, yeah, this is the parable, sorry, my mind's in a fog right now. It's the parable that Jesus tells, the story that Jesus tells about the two people. There's a foolish one and a wise one. There's two foundations. There's a rock and then there's sand. And there's two destinations 
two destinations. One makes it through the storm and one ends in desolation. And it's interesting, don't you think, that when Jesus tells that to people, their first response is what? That he speaks as one having what? Anyone know? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? He speaks as one <laughs> having authority. Authority, authority, yeah. authority, right? And so what's amazing here is that Jesus actually does do what Dr. Craig says is not necessary to do. He does bring the full weight of his authority and inspiration um, upon the, his hearers. He tells them that if you don't build your life upon the rock, that you will end in desolation. You're on sand, right? Mm-hmm. Now, Dr. Craig says that's not necessary. It's not necessary to come with the authority of God and the inspiration of God in that way. You just need to be able to show what? These four facts that he talks about. And you need, need to show that it's historically reliable to say that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Now, I have something to say about that. I have something to say about that. You guys know the story of the rich man and Lazarus? Mm-hmm. Yep. The rich man and Lazarus, what does, in the story, the angel say to the rich man? The rich man's like, oh, just send someone back. Send someone back. And, and what, what's amazing here is the whole story ends up with this final conclusion of the, of, the, of the messenger. And what is it? They have Moses and the prophets. If they won't believe them, they're not going to believe if somebody comes back from mm-hmm. the dead. Hey, are we all aware of this very simple fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? And hey, guess what? Not everyone believed. <laughs> Don't you know that at Jesus' ascension, it actually says in the text, one of the things I love about God's word, by the way, is just the honesty of the history and what actually took place. It says in the text that some believed and some doubted. Here was Jesus Christ alive from the dead after right. being murdered on a tree on the cross, he's standing in front of people before the ascension, and what's it say? Some people believed, and some people doubted, with the man standing there, risen from the dead. So here's the point. William Lane Craig can all day long prove the historical reliability of the resurrection of Jesus Christ as a fact of history, as a matter of record. He can do it all day long. It doesn't bring anybody into the kingdom, because there were people that saw the risen Christ and did not come to him. They didn't believe, because the problem is not a problem of evidence, now, the problem of seeing a resurrection and miracles, the problem is they don't believe God because mm-hmm. they're hostile towards God. Don't forget, the standard in Scripture is that they will not believe even if somebody rises from the dead. They have Moses and the prophets. In other words, what? God's already spoken. God's already given you enough. God's already given you the revelation. If somebody rises from the dead, they're still not, not going to believe. You already have everything you need. You have everything you need. You have the very words of the living God. And what Dr. Craig wants to do is he wants to move the principium, the source, the foundation, away from God as the foundation, as the source. And he wants to move it over here to some other evidence, to some other reasoning, to some other principium, some other source, that this is our foundation, this is how we know. Not God and his revelation as authoritative, but over here. Now, I want to say this. That is not Christian. I'm not saying Dr. Craig's not a Christian. He's a believer. He loves Jesus. He's in Christ. He has faith in Jesus. As far as I know, the man is in Christ and he's a brother. And so praise God for Dr. William Lane Craig. But his methodology, let's just call a spade a spade, is not Mm. Christian. It's not. It's not Christian. It's not Protestant. It's not Reformed. It's just not. Uh, What really caught my attention at the very beginning when you said, I want to take away as many obstacles as possible or lower the bar right. so it does not get into the way of him, that person, individual, getting into the kingdom of God. 
And that or you goes, can quote get them saved. Or get them saved, but you know what? That goes well, you mentioned the kingdom of God, and so it completely goes against the basic gospel one oh one. So in John chapter three, the very same passage where for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not have ever uh, perish but have everlasting life. The very beginning of John three, Jesus said very truly, I say to you, you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. So the reason why why people can't get into the kingdom of God is not because they have a lack of evidence or the bar right. is the bar is too high. The problem is they're not born again, and so you can see even in with that statement that he's making the very Arminian yes. man centeredness. We need to make sure all things revolve around him in order to. No, we're not going to go ahead and raise this objection because that's we're, we're going to scare him away. Let man be the judge over God. Mm-hmm. God is the judge over man. Mm-hmm. And it's true. You nailed it, Jerry. It's his Arminian foundations and philosophy and tradition that is guiding his apologetic and methodology. How does he approach people in evangelism? Well, it's based upon his view of man, his mm-hmm. view of God. So when Dr. White has said many times, theology matters. Now you see. Yeah. Like, you know, what we do in the world, it doesn't, you know, what happens in the world doesn't exist in a vacuum. It happens in the world because of foundational beliefs. Right. People believe things, and because they believe things, they do things in the world. That's, it's all connected. And so Dr. Craig is not immune to that. He can't get away from that himself. If he believes things about human beings capable Mm -hmm. um, of uh, cooperating with God synergistically, if he believes ultimately that God has done everything that he can to save people, you have to manipulate the process a bit. So dumb down Christianity, dumb down the inspiration of the Bible, dumb down the authority of Jesus Christ and his ultimate claims over the world, and make it easy for people to be saved? I'm sorry. That's not Christianity. And there's more. There's more. This is um, a good example of this happen. It's not, watch, someone says, well, you took him out of context. Okay. I'll grant that maybe he maybe he misspoke. Maybe he was having a moment where he was in a rush and he didn't fully clarify his position. Except William Lane Craig's been talking for a long time. Yeah. He's been in a lot of Q&As. And here's another example of does the un- unbeliever have to approach the Bible as divinely inspired? Hi, my name is Rusty. Um, it's my conviction as a Christian that um, that the the Bible is authoritative and uh, divinely inspired. And I find that in evangelistic conversations, that would be really beneficial to prove, <laughs> um, just to kind of make a case for uh, who Jesus is and, and the existence of God himself. And so I was wondering if you might give us your best defense for mm. the inspiration of the scriptures and then the authoritative. Well, I, I take a very different perspective, actually, than you do. Uh, if you've ever seen some of the debates or talks that I give, I really stay away from that claim. And I, I encourage unbelievers not to think of the Bible as divinely inspired. But I... Wow. I don't know. I mean, can, can we just all grant? Like, just, just, like I said, call a spade a spade. It's, it's, it's just not Christian. That's not a Christian approach. Do you see the Apostle Paul and Apollos and Peter... Do you see any of the apostles approaching the world in this way? Then nah, maybe it's not inspired. And you don't, you don't need to see it as inspired. If it's not inspired, brothers and sisters, then it has no bearing mm-hmm. on their lives. None of the reformers who shook up the world ever did that. Right. 
I mean, we have to just be honest here, have integrity with our theology and say, that's just not Christian. It's just not. And it's not how you approach the world with the words of God. And I would say that I do see how you can have a lot of false professions of faith oh, yeah. if approached in this way. Someone says, well, I'll give Jesus a try. Maybe it's not inspired. I'll be the judge over God. And what happens is, is down the road, somebody hears some compelling argument from an unbeliever like a Dawkins or a Hitchens or a Harris or a Dennett or something or a Krause. And they hear some compelling argument and they go, hey, you know, tables have turned a bit and I'm the judge over God and his word and his revelation. So, you know, I'm not a Christian anymore, uh, which displays, of course, we know from John, they went out from us in order to show they were never really of us. It was a false profession of faith. We don't put people in a position of judgment over God and his revelation. And if you think of the context of what William Lane Craig just said in that last statement, uh, if you compare it with Colossians 2, when it says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition, on the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than to Christ. So, William Lane Craig, do you want to tell me in this very moment that this narrative, you, this, you can't really argue the direct authoritative inspiration of this specific passage? You completely are just unloading your clip and handing the other person your gun. Yeah. Yeah. So I talked about this all the time, just about how God is the judge, right? Yes. And so we're, our, our job as apologists is, is to put people before the judge and let God judge their their views, their theology, or what have you. And what he's doing uh, is is making the, the unbeliever the judge. That's right. And it's just wrong. And again, I know I've said it once or twice already, but I'll say it one more time. This is like the foundation of it all. If it's not inspired... If it's not from God, then it doesn't have to be obeyed. I don't have to come. Listen, when Jesus says, he says, come to die or don't come. Is that right. Dr. Craig's message here? Come to die or don't come? No, it's, it's not the message. It's not consistent. And it's about time that we stood up and we said, hey, I love you, brother. You're just wrong. And what you're saying is destructive because people follow Dr. William Lane Craig, he has devotees that follow him and they try to say, look, I want to be like uh, him. I want to be consistent as a Christian. And they think this is consistent Christianity and you come to find out it absolutely is not as philosophically inconsistent, biblically inconsistent, and it destroys ultimately the proclamation of the gospel. It matters a lot. Here's more. Encourage them to look at it as just an ordinary collection of historical documents like Tacitus Annals or Thucydides, Peloponnesian Wars, uh, coming down out of the first century, written in the Greek language, telling this amazing story about this man, Jesus of Nazareth. Anybody else offended that we would compare the words of the living God, that which is theonoustos, breathed out by God? Anybody else offended that we would actually put mm. the word of God on the same level as pagan literature? Mm. Not only that, I want to sort of channel Saiten Brugenkate uh, from his The End of Ans How to Answer the Fool. Uh, he was talking with a person in the studio who said, well, the Bible contradicts itself, and the Bible's full of contradictions, and, and did that, and making those accusations. And what was Saiten's response? And he said, what standard outside the Bible are you using to judge? Mm -hmm. Why are contradictions not allowed in your worldview? Right. So, ultimately, you got to ask, what, what standard are you using outside of the Bible to make those statements, right. Dr. Craig? 
And why is that standard more authoritative than God's word? Right. That's right. You, you, when you tell the unbeliever, look, this is, this is maybe not inspired. It's not really the words of the living God. Then Dr. Craig also loses the ability, philosophically speaking, to even speak meaningful about con- meaningfully about contradictions. Mm-hmm. Do you get the point? If you don't have God's revelation, you don't have God as the source, as the foundation, then you lose the ability even as a Christian to complain about contradictions. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't get contradictions as mattering at all um, if you give up God. It just doesn't matter. And ask yourself, how credible are these documents as history? And in order to show that, you see, you don't need to show they're divinely inspired. You don't need to show they're inerrant. You don't need to show they're contradiction-free. You just need to show that these are pretty reliable historical sources for the life of this man, Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, And on that basis alone, then, I think a person can make a commitment to this man, having come to believe who he was and that God raised him from the dead. And then you begin to reflect upon the nature of the Bible and say, is this just a human product? Maybe it's more than a human product. Maybe it's a divinely inspired human product. So I see that conclusion as coming much later down the road. It's an issue for Christians who reflect theologically on Scripture. And I guess you asked me for the best reason I would give. This is really important. Hang on. This is going to sum it up right now. So if you've checked out at all, come back right now. Listen, because right now this is the point, and this is going to show you the inherent contradiction in Dr. Craig's thinking and watch for a moment here, he'll be entirely consistent and it will absolutely annihilate everything he just tried to build. So he just built, he just built a platform for you to stand on, right? And now watch this. He's going to take it away and he's going to do it biblically. Watch. I would say the best reason would be because that's the way Jesus of Nazareth regarded the Old Testament. Did you get it? Okay, if you didn't catch it, let me try to explain it oh to you. I, think about it. What did he just say? When you get to the point where you say, okay, this is Jesus and historically reliable resurrection, there's Jesus Christ. He goes, and then you ask me, well, are these divinely inspired? What's his answer? Jesus said they were. (laughs) Oh my. Did you catch it? Right. So what he says is this, watch. You You need to build a ladder, right? Build a ladder to get to God. Build a ladder and you've got reasons, you've got evidence, historical reliability, you've got all these things that are basically reliable, you have the resurrection of Jesus, and you build this ladder to get, up to, to get up to God, right? You get there, and then you get to God, and what he says is this, watch this, and when you get there, you realize you didn't need the ladder at all. Right. Right. Because when you got to God, what right. you realize? <laughs> that God had all the authority, and when he spoke, he said, this is inspired. It's, yeah. inspir- it's in- inspired scripture. Mm-hmm. So in other words, watch this. He gets on the back end to the fact that Jesus Christ said that it's inspired, so therefore it is fundamentally inspired because of who Jesus is, mm-hmm. right? So what did he do? He built an entire structure for you to stand on, that at the very end of it, he gets to Jesus and he goes, well, Jesus said it's inspired, so based upon who Jesus is, it's inspired. And you can't argue with Jesus, ultimately. Mm-hmm. That's the point. Right. Well, Thank you for being presuppositional at the end of your argument. Right. Well, unfortunately, like we... we we everything that you just said we see but the unbeliever who's listening to him by the time they get to that back when when he takes the ladder away they're still going well no yeah i don't get it because he undermined everything not so everything that he just said is is for christians right but how is that actually 
bringing people into the kingdom because by the time he takes the ladder away, they're like, oh, well, no, I still need the ladder. You told me I need the ladder right, and I think right. I need the... I, just, I still want to be judge over God. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Does it matter? It matters a lot. And and, and one last thing before we go to break here, I'm going to play one more clip. Okay. Somebody had challenged both Dr. White and myself for challenging Dr. Craig. Now, I want you to notice something. When we critiqued Dr. Craig on social media, we tried to do it in a way where we were critiquing what the man says. Okay? Mm -hmm. What he says is a problem. And people were saying, oh, well, Dr. Craig would never do that sort of a thing. He doesn't behave in that manner and those sorts of things. Well, here's the thing. Look, I want to show you something. Christians argue, have a good cry, come back to reality, <laughs> let's get over it, and let's recognize that Christians are trying to get at the truth of God. We're going to disagree. We should do it lovingly, graciously, with respect, and seriously, okay? But Christians disagree. It's not just Dr. White and Jeff Durbin who are critiquing William Lane Craig, and Dr. Craig would never, ever critique any other person in their position and, you know, say anything that would denigrate it or them in any way. You know, that's not true. That's not how this works. Dr. Craig, of course, also critiques others. Here's a good example. Here's a good example. This is Dr. Craig on reasonablefaith.org asked a question about young earth creationism. Now, just so you know, I know that Christians debate over this issue about the age of the earth. Right. I think an earth that's um, 6,000 years old is still a pretty dang old earth. Okay, (laughs) so it's kind of a weird way to categorize it. However, I know there are believers that say, um, you know, I think there's an issue here with an older age. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. All right. I understand. I am young earth. I believe that um, we need to follow the Bible as the standard of how old the earth is. I do not find the uh, the old earth arguments convincing personally. I am always willing to be corrected by the word of God. I do not find it convincing. I see a lot of really uh, important things that we lose when we go with old earth. I think losing Adam as an historical person, as the first parent, is pretty significant because that, for Paul, was the um, uh, the issue between Adam and Jesus. He's the first Adam, Jesus is the second Adam. So I think you lose a lot in Christian theology and soteriology when you lose Adam. But here is Dr. Craig being asked about young earth creationism, and he calls it embarrassing. Oh, gosh. Even more well-known than Francis Collins in this uh, area. He says, 45% of Americans believe that the Earth is less than 10,000 years old. That is almost half. And so, this big percentage of Americans, I don't know how many of them would be Christians, probably a a large amount, because some of these Americans may not even be Christians, but they just have this Mm -hmm. biblical understanding that they've heard. The conflict is, it's very incompatible, Colin says, with what scientists have learned from physics, chemistry, cosmology, biology, geology. And so there is kind of a tension here between this large portion of the of the populace and the science and even a, a Christian view of how science could possibly be. Yes, I've seen a comparable statistic that says that over 50 percent of evangelical pastors think that the world is less than 10,000 years old. Now, when you think about that, Kevin, that is just hugely embarrassing that over half of our ministers really believe that the universe is only around 10,000 years old. This is just scientifically 
it's nonsense. And yet this is the view that the majority of our pastors hold. It's, it's really quite shocking when you think about it. The young people in their congregation. Shocking and embarrassing. Um, so why he, did I play? You know, he puts up this front like he's not going to debate other Christians and and all this stuff. But he's he's he he does on his own platform. Right. Yeah. Right. I don't think. I, I wonder if like he really is afraid to actually debate theological issues with Christians. Well, because like, he know because he's always been challenged. One one person complained on our Facebook post. Why don't you challenge him to a debate then, if if you think you're right or whatever? Well, people have been challenging him to debates for years, right? But he always refuses if it's against another Christian. Yeah, he won't debate Dr. White on the issue of Molinism or on apologetic methodology. If he would be willing to do that, you can get this message to Dr. Craig. First, we love you, brother, and uh, we would be willing to pay. For a debate between you and Dr. James White, we would set it up. We would take care of the venue. We would bring you out and uh, cover all your expenses, and we would take care of everything to have that debate. So, yeah, we would we would definitely want it to happen. But why do I bring that up with Dr. Craig? It's not in any way to try to be demeaning to the man. It's to point this out. Listen, when people got upset because Dr. White and I were critiquing Dr. Craig's methodology, they were acting as though, like, we're the mean-spirited Calvinists. Somebody actually said this is just latent car- uh, Calvinist arrogance, mm. is, is what they said. In, re- in, re- in reference to Dr. White and myself critiquing his methodology, I want to just say this. Look, Dr. Craig also engages in trying to critique other Christians and their views. So again, let's get over it. Christians argue. We're supposed to do it in love, but we argue. We disagree. We're trying to get to the truth of God. We're all standing around an objective revelation. We're supposed to be shaped by it. We're supposed to have discussions with each other. So don't get upset, I think, right. if you see Dr. White or myself critiquing Dr. Craig, acting as though he were victim in this. He is a public figure that teaches on the Bible and the biblical worldview. And what he says influences people. I think he's wrong, and I think that the implications of what he says are destructive to the message of the Christian church. Okay? So it's important stuff. Now, when we come back from this quick break, we are going to review... It's exciting. Titan Bruggen Kate getting a chance at the Reason Rally to talk with Penn Gillette. We're also going to play... This was on my bucket list. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) It really was. It really... This is something I've been wanting to happen for a long time. Me too. We're also going to play a quick clip from Dr. Scott Oliphant to lead into that from ReformCon that'll help sort of lay down some foundations. And so we will be right back. ApologiaRadio.com. Don't forget to go to MissionalWare.com and get yourself a t-shirt. Pastor Luke right now is wearing a J.C. Riggedy Ryle shirt. Be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, beauties and beasts, I have some good news for you. But in order for me to tell you the good news, I must share with you the bad. A beard can be a most magnificent thing, but it can also be the downfall of a man. An unmaintained beard prevents a face from shining. An unmaintained beard causes dry, itchy skin. An unmaintained beard is a source of beardruff. You know, like dandruff, but beardruff. An unmaintained beard is sharp and ruthless, like iron bristles, not good for the lady friend. An unmaintained beard forfeits future growth based on the lack of preparation today. And let's not forget that an unmaintained beard robs your face from smelling amazing. Let not thy beard be thy 
thy downfall. Protect your manlyhood. An epic combination of manliness and manhood. If you are hearing this today, there is hope for your beard. Go to yukonsbeard.com and enter the code APOLOGIA and you can save some money while you save your face. Five, four, three... Apologetic methodology, philosophical consistency, commitments to scripture, the word of God as authoritative. So I was trying to figure it during the break. What is a good way to describe this? And I think that the best way to describe it is where you stand. What do you stand on? When you're asking questions about what is true, okay, if you want knowledge wisdom it has to do with what you stand on as your primary starting point point what's the source what's the source is it god and his revelation or is it something else so for example you know you have and this is a great opportunity to talk about this and it's just it's just a good place to aim at with roman catholicism you have roman catholics that will say the word of god is the word of god the bible is the word of the living god it's inspired revelation but if you want to really know how do I know that this is the word of God the way that epistemology works within the Roman Catholic Church is it comes down to ultimately because the church says right the church is the authority so the ultimate starting point isn't really the word of God it's the church well how do I know because the church says church declares it to be and when you say to the church like Oliphant said in his lecture well how do I know the church says well trust me ultimately because I say and for the unbeliever oftentimes it's reason that's their starting point well because my reason tells me so or it might be sense experience like because I've tested it you know I, I've, I've, I've used the tools of my senses that I have my reason my rationality and so that becomes a starting point that's the source but A truly biblical view, a truly biblical epistemology says that God himself, God and his revelation, that is the source. That's the starting point. Mm. All right. Okay. So, so what, what Craig gets wrong at the start of his discussion is where the starting point is. Is it reason? Is it rationality? Is it our sense experience? Is it the, we test it? Is it the church or is it the word of God? Now, he gets to the point where he says it's the word of God and his revelation when he finally gets to Jesus. And he goes, well, once you get to Jesus, then you get to Jesus and you say, well, what do you say? And then Jesus tells you and you believe him. Why? Because he's Jesus. Because he's who he says he is. Right. Well, okay. Now, let's push it back a bit. If it's true anyways that Jesus has all authority and the word of God is, is inspired and the word of God is the ultimate starting point, if it's true anyways, then that's where you should start engaging from the very beginning. You shouldn't try to get to that point. You begin there. Now, you're going to hear Cy Ten Bruggenkate use that methodology with Penn Jillette. But before we get to it, I want to just go ahead and play for you guys um, a clip from Dr. Scott Oliphant's talk at ReformCon 2016. It's 
not really, really long, but it's a, it's a bit lengthy. But I want you to hear the entire context. This is him talking about what we're talking about right now. Not inspired, but it's close. <laughs> Westminster Confession of Faith, section 4 of chapter 1. The authority, the authority of the Holy Scripture for which it ought to be believed and obeyed depends depends you get it what's the foundation of the authority of holy scripture what's it resting on depends not upon the testimony of any man or church that's the negative it's written in the 1640s after the catholic church had militated against the reformers Council of Trent, Westminster Confession comes along, other Baptist confessions have said exactly the same thing, that the authority of Holy Scripture depends not on me or on the church. Why not? Because if the church says, hey, that's your authority, guess what? Where's the authority? It's in the church. And the church can turn around and say, well, you know, maybe that's not. Or, that's kind of your authority, as long as we're the real authority. Or, that's your authority, but we're going to take out a couple things, or maybe add a few things. Or, some person may say, I've decided by virtue of all of these arguments, that's the authority. Then, who's the authority? Maybe the arguments fail. Maybe there are other arguments or better arguments given. Then what? Then the authority is gone. So, the Reformers were saying, the Confession is saying, that the authority of Scripture cannot be secondary. It has to be primary. Not a so the point is, is for Craig, um, now, by the way, Dr. Oliphant's talk wasn't specifically about William Lane Craig. He didn't even mention him, I don't believe. I but, don't think so. Um, but Dr. Oliphant was pointing to the fact that you have to have a starting point. I'm trying to bring it down to the easiest way to describe it, a starting point. If the starting point is your evidences, your reason, yourself, your claim, your experience, then that's the authority, the Bible's secondary, okay? Mm -hmm. And for William Lane Craig, well, that's what he was getting at. You use all these historic evidences, you use your rationality, and because of that, you can point to the Bible and say, it's authoritative. But in that case, the Bible's authority is secondary you, your reasons, your pointing to your different evidences, that's the primary authority, not the Bible. Mm. But you see, a truly biblical epistemology, a truly biblical view of apologetics puts the Bible as primary, as the starting point. The testimony of any man or church, but holy upon God, who is truth itself, the author thereof, and therefore, it is to be received. Why do you receive the Bible? The verb is important. You don't determine the Bible's authority. You receive the Bible's authority passively because it is the Word of God. That's self-authentication. You want to know what it means? That's the best paragraph you're ever going to read in the history of theology on self-authentication right there. Depends wholly upon God, who is truth itself. And you receive it, don't you, as a Christian, because it's the Word of God. You don't become a Christian and say, I'm going to see you know, what I think God says, what I think He doesn't say. Just going to kind of judge for myself now that I'm a Christian. Some of this I might like, some of it not so much. You don't do that if you're a Christian. You do that if you're a liberal. 
You cut and paste your way through the Bible because it's mm. just another book of literature and you're the final authority. Do you see the difference between apologetic methodology right there? Oh, yeah. Compare that to Dr. William Lane Craig, right? Dr. Oliphant wasn't even talking about William Lane Craig. I didn't even see the clip yet. But that's exactly the conversation. For William Lane Craig, it is that is you get to the point where you say, I'll decide. Right. And then you get to the Bible and you say, well, let me determine what I think about it. Whereas in reality, the Bible comes to you with God's self-attesting authority, with God as the final authority, with God as the starting point. You don't get to come into that conversation and begin to say to God, well, I'll decide if I'll give you the authority and I'll say that you're authoritative. You don't do that. And that's exactly what Dr. Oliphant's talking about. It's specifically about that. It would be really interesting to do a split test between William Lane Craig and Dr. Oliphant, maybe do like a split screen and watch... Dr. Oliphant, as he preaches this message to a crowd of unbelievers right. and skeptics to versus William Lane Craig and how he does it. Right. And, and just watch how the crowd reacts. Yeah. Be very interesting. I would love to see that. Yeah, that would be good. Live stream. Good. But if you're a true Christian, you take the Bible and you open it up and you say, speak, Lord, I'm listening. You've made me your servant. That's self-authentication. Can I just ask you this? With respect to Dr. William Lane Craig and any believer that's listening right now that agrees with him, can I ask you a question? Which methodology sounds mm. Christian? Come on. Just, just please think about it. Which methodology sounds Christian? Which methodology sounds like it's from the Bible? <laughs> okay. Take Dr. William Lane Craig and what he says and then take Dr. Oliphant right now. Which one sounds Christian. Which one sounds like it's submitting to the authority of Jesus Christ and God's word? That's all I ask. Here's the way Calvin put it. He says, it is utterly vain then to pretend that the power of judging Scripture so lies with the church that its certainty depends there it is again, depends upon what? Churchly assent. Thus, or you could say rational assent. The church receives and gives its seal of approval to the scripture. Is it does not thereby render authentic what is otherwise doubtful or controversial. But because the church recognizes scripture to be the truth of its own God as a pious duty, it unhesitatingly venerates scripture. As to their question, my parenthesis, how can we be assured that this has sprung from God unless we have recourse to the decree of the church, Calvin? <laughs> You're taking, we don't have any certain. Calvin says, it is as if someone asked, whence will we learn to distinguish light from darkness, white from black, sweet from bitter? Indeed, Scripture exhibits fully as clear evidence of its own truth as white and black things do of their color or sweet and bitter things do of their taste. That's self-authentication. That's what Calvin said. It's embedded in the Bible itself. You want certainty? There it is. Because it's the Word of God. And you receive it in order to have that certainty. Hence, says Calvin, it is not right to subject it to proof or to reasoning. And you know what he means by that is not that you give up proofs or reasoning. Please, please, please hear that. 
He's saying you don't put proofs and reasoning as the ultimate, as the standard that gives it its authority. Do you get the point? Mm. Of course, Calvin was for proof and reasoning. He wasn't for proof and reasoning, and neither am I, and I think neither are the writers of Scripture above the Bible as determining the Bible's authority. That's the point. Now, there are a number of ways to begin to show this um, in Scripture. I just picked out one. You're familiar with the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. This discussion going on, Jesus is telling. I beg you, Father Abraham, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, no. Oh, I don't know why I messed that up. It wasn't an angel talking to him. It was Abraham. Sorry. I, I, I blew it. Oh. I, said, I said angel. Two apologies no, today for you. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. They'll see a resurrection. What happens when you see a resurrection? Anybody who sees a resurrection will automatically repent, won't they? We've seen it, haven't we? As soon as Jesus rose from the dead, what happened? Everybody repented. Did you not read? Was that not in your... <laughs> But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Mm. It was, you've got what you need. I can give you 50 miracles before breakfast and you're going to explain them away because you're a pagan. Yep. What you need is what Moses and the prophets, notice it's the Old Testament, what you need is what Moses and the prophets have said. That's all you need. And you've got it. God has given the world all the world needs in order to trust the Lord Jesus Christ. That's self-authentication. Miracles won't do it. The Word of God has the power alone to do it. Now, there you go. That's so, good stuff, man. That's very good stuff. So compare the two methodologies, compare the two perspectives, and I would say, I think it's important to pay attention to the fact that William Lane Craig gets there, right? He gets there. At the end of yeah. his discussion, he said, well, when I want to talk about whether or not it's inspired, I go to Jesus and say, what do you think? And then Jesus points to it and says, it's inspired. And so therefore, that's what I follow is Jesus, who has the authority, who is who he says that he is, and I say, okay, he says it's authoritative, so he has the final word, and so I follow him. Well, here's the point. Don't end your apologetic discussion with that. Begin it, because that's where you're supposed to start, and I think Joy is absolutely right. If you start by putting man as judge over God as to whether or not he'll see it as authoritative through his reasoning, sense perception, and evidences and proofs or whatever and if you say well you are the determiner now as to whether or not it's authoritative in your life and inspired well then now that you've given them that you've set them on the wrong course where they're not on a course of submission to god and repentance they're not on a, on a course to see themselves as the creature and god is the creator right that, that's the problem i mean it starts with repentance what does the bible say in second timothy 2 24 through 26 that the lord's servant must be patient when wronged able to teach in humility, correcting those who oppose themselves, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. Well, what happens before you get the knowledge of the truth? What happens? Repentance. Mm. Repentance and then knowledge of the truth. By the way, who, by the way, um, gives them repentance? God grants them repentance. And I think it's a fundamental flaw in Dr. Craig's 
methodology is he says we got to squeeze them into the kingdom by lowering the standards just to get them in. But the truth is, the Bible says, no, God grants repentance. So this is one of the beauties of Reformed theology is we get to preach the word of God full proof. Well, with Craig, too, even though he in the end he gets to where he should have started, he's already completely undermined that position. Right. Because it'd be real easy for someone to say then, you know, well, how do we know what Jesus said is even true or accurate because you've already granted that that could be false. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it could be full of errors. Yeah. Maybe Jesus isn't the Messiah. Maybe God doesn't really exist. I mean, I mean, let's let's be, you know, real with the fact that um, Dr. Craig is on record um, saying he's not even certain God exists. And, Probability um, of God. Yeah, I mean, and, and people get really upset uh, about that when you bring up the issue between Kraus and Craig where he's asked if he's certain about God's existence and William Lane Craig uh, says, no, he's, he's not certain about God's existence. A lot of people get really upset when you bring this up, but I think that it's important for you to hear it for yourself. This is how Dr. William Lane Craig... The point is that, that we, don't, we don't claim to know everything. That's, that's the whole point. We don't claim certainty, and that's great. Well, do you claim certainty? No, no. Just, I, I, I don't get that. No, are you certain sure that God exists? No. Good. No, are you certain sure that God exists? No. Good. Ugh. 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 And guys, listen, I'm not trying to bring down the man's integrity or dignity. But brothers and sisters, we are in trouble in our culture today. We are just simply in trouble. We are in trouble. We are attacked on all sides. You have our nation breaking covenant with God, fleeing from him, his son, and from his word. And we are reaping the rewards from that. And if we don't come into this culture with Christ's authority, self-attesting authority, and the demands of Jesus Christ on the world and in our lives, if we don't come consistently we're not going to ever see any repentance or revival on a nation. We're not going to see any right. reformation ever because it starts with repentance. Yep. You know, people oftentimes today are having big debates with each other. Like, you know, and I would just say this, some Christians are really confused right now. We have people at Apologia Church that are like really struggling over the issue of Donald Trump running against Hillary Clinton. People are saying, but look, I don't want Hillary Clinton. And so I know that Donald Trump is not consistent. He's not a Christian and, and, um, and he's, you know, he's his worldview is antithetical, but I don't want Hillary Clinton. And so I, I, I don't know. I'm confused. What do I do? I don't want to go down that path. Well, what I want to say is this. Look, I, I'm, let's, let's work through this together. Let's never divide as Christians over this issue. But let's talk about it for a second. How do you abate the judgment of God in your culture? Is it by, is it by compromise? Is it by compromising right. the biblical worldview? Is it by compromising the message of repentance and faith? Or is the way out of judgment and, and discipline on a nation repentance? Mm-hmm. It's repentance. It's not choosing the lesser of two evils. It's not compromising the biblical position so that we can abate the judgment of God. Look, if the judgment of God is coming, the way out of it is repentance. That's to really yeah. clearly communicate the word of God the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the kingdom, the biblical worldview in such a way that people hear it and God uses that to change their hearts and their minds. Jesus doesn't want someone to be kind of Christian. (laughs) Don't be kind of Christian. We don't want people to kind of be Christians, mostly. I think he says he spits those type of people out of his mouth. He sure does. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. So, okay, let's uh, let's listen now. Let's listen to Cy Ten Bruggenkate finally getting a chance to engage Pendulet in Washington D.C. June third, two thousand sixteen. My name is Cy Ten Bruggenkate. By the way, I've done a number. Your name again? Cy Ten Bruggenkate. I've done a number of uh, public debates. Uh, Have you ever engaged a Christian presuppositionalist? A presuppositionalist, because I don't debate evidence with atheists. What I would say is God is a necessary precondition for intelligibility. Because you have used a number of concepts when when you discuss with Ray that I say atheism cannot account for. No, we can't. Okay, so for instance, when you when you say something is true and when you use logic, you're borrowing from my world. And I'll give you guys that very very simply. Logic is universal. Logic is not made of matter. Logic does not change. God is universal. God is not made of matter. God does not change. So, according to my worldview, I have a worldview that makes sense of this conversation. Yes, I know you do. But your worldview doesn't. That's the nightmare. Well, here's the problem. That's the nightmare. When you call something a nightmare, you're appealing to a standard that you say that we deviate from. And the problem is with atheism, you cannot have that standard. It's a nightmare. It's a horrible nightmare. That you're just... uh, When you say something is horrible, you're appealing to a standard. Is that not fair? See, because what I'm saying is that every word out of your mouth exposes the fact that you really do know that God exists. For instance, you're a, one of yeah. your... Do you agree with the sense God is good? Yes. Okay. Now, in order to say God is good, yes. you've already stated that good exists outside of God. No, no, no. Yes, no. yes. Okay, well, the question is then what... How, now, I'll, 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 I'll flesh it out. Good is according to the character and nature of God. He is good by nature. He does not say what is good, and he does not have a standard above him. What if so, let, me give you, let, me give, no, sorry, let me give you a quick example. Why is stealing wrong, Christian? Not because it makes people mad. Stealing is wrong because God is not a thief. And I can have an absolute standard. Why is adultery wrong? Not because it destroys marriages. But you're saying that there isn't a standard of good beyond God. No, I'm saying that he is the standard. Then God isn't good. No, I'm saying he God is the standard God. of goodness. Well, then that, that's a tautology. That means well, that's, there's not a problem with that. I'm saying that I have a standard. Yes, exactly. Okay. I know there's no okay, problem. Okay, now let's put it this way. Between the two of us, I have a standard by which I can say something is wrong. So you're talking about moral moral, uh, relativity, is that what you're saying? I'm saying without without God, without God, there's nothing but relativity. Well, if morality is stipulated, anybody is free to stipulate their own. So I'm saying that every, but not only that, it's worse than that, because every word out of your mouth, no, listen to this, every word out of your mouth assumes God, because you assume what's called induction, the principle of induction. You assume the future will be like the past, because you're about to utter sounds into the ether. Is that not fair? Okay, well, you know the problem of induction, have you ever? I do. Okay, so on what basis do you assume the future will be like the past? I think I understand your point. No, the thing is, I I've always seen you as a very reasonable person who would be willing to have a discussion like this. No, I haven't. And I thought that, you know, in having a discussion like this, you would want to talk about it and not... I, I think I know... Now, I, think I, 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 don't I, I don't want to be insulting to you at all. I don't want to be insulting Thank you. No, no, what I'm saying is, you don't look well. Are, are you ill? I have AIDS. You have AIDS? No, I don't. No, no, I'm no, serious. Or you just have lost, lost a lot of weight. I lost a lot of weight for health reasons. Oh, okay. Actually, so have I. Okay, that's any help. Good to talk with you. I would, I would love to talk with you sometime. I, thank you. I think I, think I understand because, where you're Well, the problem is that you talk with a lot of people who give you crap arguments. I know. <laughs> we have evidence. <laughs> that we can prove. That's why I do what I do. Because I'm concerned. That's why I quit my job. You do understand that other people feel that too. That you do not have. You, you believe. But here's the problem. No, no, no. But here's the problem. I can define truth. Truth is that which conforms to the mind of God. Truth right, exactly. Okay, now, however, now if you'd say what's truth, you would say what? You have a correspondence here. Truth is that which corresponds to reality. Is that fair?
player. No, but I have to run that. It's a pleasure talking to you. That was excellent. Um, yeah. I, I think that Cy did a, a really good job of being very gracious to him, mm. gentle, respectful, and uh, I think we can learn something from that. All of us can learn something from that. When you have this atheist, Pendulette, who is a really, really well-known and respected atheist, so well-known and respected that he was invited to the Reason Rally. Right. Okay? So he's a champion of atheism. But when this champion of atheism meets up with a believer who stands consistently in God's word and does not play neutrality, and he's pushed to the logical conclusions of his position, he cannot provide a meaningful answer for morality, for laws of logic, or for induction. No response. Because here's the problem. When Christians play neutrality and they try to just go, let's look at the proofs and evidences, Mr. Unbeliever. Let's see where it takes us. Then the unbeliever has you in a game of 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 chase of of, of chase the, the rabbit. You're just chasing right. them, trying to catch them, right? But when you press the claims of Jesus Christ, the word of God, to the unbeliever, and you say, now you account for it with your unbelief. The unbeliever cannot account for his position. Important stuff? Mm-hmm. Yes, I'd say so. I really appreciate listening to that. This is the first time I've listened to the clip in entirety. And there's a saying I've heard say this is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I say it was interesting because I saw a lot of the comments when I posted this video on the page. And people were saying that Sai was being very rude and condescending and interrupting. And this is the first time I've heard it. What video did they listen to? Right. And what's even amazing, if, you, if for those of you who are listening, if you replay the video, the part where he says that he looks like you've lost a lot of weight, are you okay? Are you healthy? And he says, and you hear him, Penn says, oh, jokingly says, I have AIDS. And Cy actually thought he was being serious. Right. Like, and you can just tell that he really does care about him. And like, I know Penn, I've listened, there's a famous talk that Penn had several years ago where someone from Vegas came and gave him a Bible and said that he cared. And so like, he knows that. Right. And it's just it's just very interesting just to hear Sai's intentions behind this. He's right. not just trying to win an argument. He wants to he wants him to come to Christ. Right. And it's really interesting too just to see that in the entirety of, of Penn's career. Right. Just with being a magician and being a very outspoken atheist, how many Christians God has thrown in his way. Right. So I mean you talk about just like revelation, people being without excuse. Right. All of us have an account we have to make for. Yeah, it's funny that you thought that. That's exactly what I thought, was like his past, where the Christians have tried to love him and just be genuine yeah. with him and really care about him. And I, I saw the same thing with Cy. And if you know Cy, you know that Cy meant it. Cy's, right. a, Cy's a really, really, really gracious and gentle person. Now, some people have seen Cy before in the past with unbelievers, and he's just, you know, he's just coming at him and crushing him. And they're like, oh, you know, that's, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. Cy is standing up for the claims of his savior. Sai's not perfect. I'm not perfect. No Christian apologist is perfect in any way. None of us at this table are perfect. But Sai does truly love people. And when he does approach unbelievers and he's bold about it, just know that if you know Sai, Sai loves Jesus. Oh, yeah. And he wants to defend Christ's honor and glory. And so, you know, that's where it's coming from. Those are his motivations. Sai is not an arrogant person. When you when he, you're hanging out with Sai, when he's in the studio here with us, 
I mean, you, you can barely hear the man walk because he's so humble, like he's just like hovering through the place. He's just so soft. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's just such a soft and gracious person. Uh, that, that's what Sai is like. So yeah. um, I, think, a- I think people online were mistaking like the quickness and aggressiveness in which he was talking. Because Penn was about to leave like at any moment. Yeah. So he didn't have like a lot of time. Yeah. He was He's trying to get as much out. Yeah, yeah. So hey. that doesn't necessarily mean like Sai was, you know, being a jerk. It was just, he was just being very quick. Hey, Marcus, there, have you heard of this documentary that's been going around? It's called Debating Dillahunty. Have you heard of that? I have heard of that documentary. Oh, sweet. That's so awesome. It's so awesome yeah. you mentioned that because at the end of this documentary, not sure if you know about this or if you've seen it. But when you hear, for those who have seen it, when Sai is talking and giving this message, you just see in the finality of that documentary just the emotion that comes with why he does what he does. Yeah, here's some behind-the-scenes information on that. Uh, It was uh, scripted, and the tears were CGI. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry sorry to break that out, but like, you know. Did you use the same technology technology for Snapchat to do that, too? Yeah, it was just a Snapchat filter. Where can we find that film? Where is that film available at? Uh, I think, I guess, debatingdillahundy.com right now. Yep. Yeah. Yup. 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 Yep. All right, so guys. I, I would, hold on. Sorry, okay, I'd like sorry. to see someone challenge Penn on uh, how he's even able to make a living doing what he's doing as an atheist. Because his job depends on uniformity in nature. His whole craft. Yeah. yeah speaking yeah. of challenging Penn, somebody tweeted that Saitan Bergenkate and Doug Wilson should debate Pendulette and Lawrence Krauss. And Pendulette actually retweeted that. Really? Yeah. So I, I Oh my goodness. Where, can we host it? Well, I responded on the Apology Radio account and I said, I said, let's make that happen. Our studio's five minutes from ASU. So I don't I don't like I don't know how we can push that in any further. Push it. Other than people Push on Twitter, real good. Yeah, people on Twitter contacting Penn and contacting Lawrence Krauss and saying, "Hey, let's make this happen." And yes, we need to get like Push. an atheist organization from ASU that would probably get behind it and want to see it as well. Yeah. Okay. So let's go. Well, now that we're talking about, it, let's go ahead and do it. Let's not dream. Let's actually make it happen. Everybody's listening to this episode. Go ahead and tweet. Uh, the address is what Marcus. Uh, it's at Penn Gillette. At Penn Gillette. Yeah, I think it's like J-I-L-O-E-T-T. I don't know. So just find it. Yeah. Okay, so tweet Pendulette <laughs> and Apologia. Is it Apologia Studios or Radio? Apologia Radio. Apologia Radio on Twitter and Cy, Tim Brunkate and Douglas Wilson. And uh, request that the debate takes place. And Lawrence Krauss. And so Lawrence Krauss, Pendulette, Cy, Tim Brunkate, Douglas Wilson. Apologia. Tell, tell them Apologia Radio will put it on. We will take care of the venue. We will organize the event. We get will get a live event. It, and uh, we will make sure the world sees it. Everybody blast their Twitter accounts with that. And make sure you let them know that Apologia Radio will put the event on. We will make it uh, available to everybody in the world for freezies. Yeah. For free. And just be gracious because, like, Penn really does like dealing with gracious Christians, but he doesn't like... Right. He'll cut you off if you right. come across this. So be gracious and loving and ask him to do it. We will make it happen. We'll talk to Doug Wilson. We'll talk to Cy. We'll do everything we can to make it happen. Okay, let's finish the show up now. I told you guys I owe Dr. White an apology. An apology? An apology. Um, Dr. White and I are friends. Dr. White is my hero of the faith. He is somebody that I consider to be a mentor to me. And um, he and I have a very, very good relationship, and I love the man 
very, very dearly. Um, and um, um, Apology of Church really exists in, in part because of Dr. White and his teaching me over the years, all of his teaching. So um, we, we're in the Q&A and somebody asked near the end a question about eschatology. That's the study of end times. Everybody knows that knows Dr. White. Dr. White stays away from eschatological challenges and questions often because it's not an area that um, he chooses to get involved in. So somebody asked the question about eschatology. And what I wanted to point out was that amillennialism and postmillennialism didn't used to have such a large blown apart distinction between the two camps. Because here's this is important to know. Amillennialism and postmillennialism believe the same things about Jesus Christ bringing his kingdom into the world on time as planned. And ultimately, what we're waiting for now ahead of us is not Jesus to come bring the kingdom, as the premillennialists say. We're waiting for the final resurrection and judgment where Jesus returns for the resurrection and the judgment. And so we're exactly on the same page. So here's, here's what I was trying to get to. Amillennialism and postmillennialism are really, really, really very, very close. And what I said was, and you'll hear it in a second, is that Dr. White lives like a postmillennialist, so I'm not really interested in having the conversation with him, except maybe over dinner or something. Mm. You know, it's important, but it's not important enough to separate or divide his brothers. Now, I was trying to show the difference between amillennialism, postmillennialism, and premillennialism to show that amill and postmill are on the same page in terms of the kingdom arriving in history and that premillennialism is really different. Now watch. When I was talking about it, I meant to say I believe that Dr. Michael Brown is wrong about the kingdom. But I ended up saying I believe that Dr. James White is wrong about the kingdom. And he's just so gracious, he didn't even say a word. He just kind of just sat there and didn't say anything. I guess he didn't even realize the mistake that I made. I think he maybe thought I was really saying, I think you're wrong on the kingdom. That's not the point I was making. And so I, I, I misspoke. I don't want anybody to be confused about what Dr. White believes. He believes that Christ is the king. He brought the kingdom already. It's arrived in history. He believes that we're waiting for the final resurrection and judgment, not the arrival, ultimately, of the kingdom, like for a thousand-year millennial reign. Uh, so I don't want to get anyone real confused. You guys may not think it's a big deal. Dr. White didn't think it was a big deal. But I do. I don't want anyone to misunderstand. So here, I'm going to go ahead and play it so you can get a, 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 a understanding of what I'm talking about. I want to say something to that. Uh, no, really, this I think is important. So it's interesting when you look at, say, there's more, there's a larger difference between, say, like post-mill, on-mill, and then pre-mill. Like significant things come up that, you know, make it kind of a combat situation at times and difficult. For me, I want to be as gracious in, in this area as, as I am in any area. I mean, even if I think that I'm right, I have to understand that, any truth is truth God gave, and so I don't think it's anything anyone should ever be arrogant about in any area or try to wound one another or separate on this issue. I just don't think it should be something you divide over um, as strongly as I feel about things. But um, what's interesting about, like, say, post-mill, amill, a lot of reform guys, post-mill, amill, kind of like a theme in terms of eschatology, you see that. Um, what's interesting about even that distinction is that it didn't used to be that blown apart distinction, on mill, post mill, um, as a massive distinction. But what's interesting about, say, in the case of myself and Dr. White, on mill, post mill distinction, for me, we believe the same thing about Christ as king. For me, we believe the same thing about Christ bringing his kingdom on time. We believe the same thing about Christ ruling and reigning as Lord of Lords, King of Kings. And as far as I'm concerned, someone like Dr. White lives and breathes like a post-millennialist. 
So I could care less about having that discussion. No, I mean, really, you have, think about it for a moment now, it's not um, such a blown apart distinction where um, there are these vast, difficult things to talk about. In reality, what's the substance? Jesus is king, he brought his kingdom, he is reigning, he gets all glory, he has all authority. And Dr. White doesn't live like a pessimist. He's fighting constantly. So there might be some places where I go, we need to have a talk, and I think we need to look at, because these things impact us. Dr. White's on the street, Dr. White's in debates, and so for, to my mind, it's just not an issue that needs to be brought up. Unless he wants to buy me dinner, we can talk about it over dinner <laughs> or something. So in, in that kind of case, the distinction between like post Malamo is, you know, Pay, you know, some of this is insignificant. Some guys call themselves optimistic amillennialists as they stop pretending you're post-mill. Um, just admit it. Uh, no, really, the, the distinction... I'm often... not an optimistic amillennialist. <laughs> no, who's the guy? Who's the, who's the professor? He's, he's really solid. What's, I can't even think of his name right now. Is it Guy Prentice Waters or somebody, uh, some reform seminary, and he refers to himself as an optimistic on mill. And so sometimes you won't even know the That's difference. because it sounds terrible to say you're a pessimistic on <laughs> millennialist. <laughs> so That's, that's Eeyore's escalation. Yeah. So what I mean is sometimes there, you won't even know the difference. It won't matter. And I don't think it does really matter, ultimately. What, I, what matters to me, personally, in this discussion is what you actually do in, in the world, in the real world, because that's what really matters. You know, are you out fighting for the faith? Are you out being obedient? Are you out preaching the gospel, making disciples? That's, that's the, what matters. That's the substance of what matters in the eschatological discussion. And that matters more, almost more than a lot of times what you say, is what are you, what are you doing in the world? Are you being faithful? And you've got a guy real fast, Dr. White and I, did uh, a, a little film about when, when uh, SCOTUS uh, said Gay Mirage, and we did a, a thing with uh, Dr. White, myself, and uh, Dr. Michael Brown. Dr. Michael Brown is pre-mill, on-mill, post-mill. Non, it was non-dispensational. A, it was, yeah, he's his, yeah, so it was a beautiful situation, pre-post-ah. It was awesome, and... Uh, ah, awesome. Yeah, awesome. Um, <laughs> but here's, here's an interesting thing. Dr. White, I think, is wrong in how he views the kingdom and everything else uh, coming later. So there are areas that you realize it's wrong. two on to one right yeah. here. You know? so, yeah. so there it was. And I couldn't understand really why John was saying that. I have, I, I'm holding a napkin in my hand because my nose was pouring. I had a cold. I was tired and I said the wrong thing. And I can't believe I actually said that. Dr. White is wrong about the kingdom like in everything else. And when it's coming, I meant to say Dr. Brown because the idea that Christ is bringing his kingdom really bringing it later for a thousand year reign on earth, I think does do damage to our ability to show that Jesus is the Messiah because if Jesus didn't bring the kingdom, he's not the King. If he didn't bring the kingdom, he's not the Messiah. If you say it comes later, it has implications um, in, in terms of how you can hold the scriptures together. So there it was my official apology to Dr. White. I didn't want to make him feel uncomfortable. He was totally gracious. Like he didn't even realize it happened, but I thought it looked pretty arrogant because he's sitting right in front of me and I said he's wrong about the kingdom and everything else. I might say Dr. Brown mm-hmm. is wrong about the kingdom and, and when it's coming and everything else. So that's my official apology. I did feel really, really bad about it. Dr. White didn't seem to care at all, but I want people to know the truth and not be confused about what Dr. White believes. So there you go. Apology of radio. No need, to write a, no need to write up any blogs. That's yeah. right. Another episode <laughs> in the can. Uh, thank you guys for listening today. We hope George Grant. that it was a blessing to you. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, yeah, when Dr. Grant gets on the show, I, I'm like, no playing, guys. Yeah, he gets be serious. Really right. hyper serious. Like, we won't even be recording yet. Dr. Grant's not even called in. And Luke and I are like laughing about something unrelated. And he's like, shush, guys, shush. <laughs> Behave. Maybe, maybe the next time he's on, I'll just come in wearing a tux. <laughs> like right. Jim did in the office that one time. We'll I'll just have our pinkies up because he merits. So much, 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 much respect. That's, yeah, yeah, okay. No, disbe- no misbehaving. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I'm glad like, you understand. That's what's up. <laughs> that's what I've been trying yes, to tell you guys every time he's on. That's right. All right. So thank you, Joy, for showing up again and being here. <laughs> showing up. Because Thanks for no, showing up. It means a lot to me because there was a period of time, everyone knows, for like eight months or so where we didn't have Joy and it did change, like, the whole the whole feel of Apologia Radio. Joy, you bring a lot to the show, and so I'm grateful when you're here and you're a part of all that we're doing. So uh, that is, I almost said Joy Ten Bruggengate. Okay, that's Joy Ten Bruggengate. Interesting. Okay. Joy Ten. Joy Ten me. How do they even? Bear. Peace. Nostril Damas, Jerry Roberts. Yep. Marcus King Ginger. Okay. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, all right. I didn't, I didn't know like my response was required. Sorry, dude. I was just saying thank oh. you, man. Oh, Thanks okay. for doing. You're welcome. Cricket. Right. Thanks, Cricket. Cricket. God bless you guys. Catch you guys next time. Hi, this is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio. You can get us at ApologiaRadio.com. I'm also the pastor at Apologia Church in Tempe. You can get us at ApologiaChurch.com. I want to invite you guys to join us for worship, the word, and fellowship on Sundays at 4 p.m. And that's Joy Tempe. Hey there. We are a family integrated church, so we invite you to bring your whole family to worship with us. This is Luke Pearson, the minister bear, also discipleship pastor at Apologia Church. Like Jeff mentioned, we are now meeting at a new location and time, 4 p.m. on Sunday afternoons at Arizona Community Church. That's 9325 South Rural Road in Tempe. We're meeting in the Community Center, and that is between Warner and Ray off of Rural. Again, you can reach us on them internets at ApologiaChurch.com. Delicious beards are encouraged but not required. <laughs> Glory! Glory!